Lord, we thank you for allowing us in your presence this evening. Lord, tonight I'd like to speak on a subject that you gave us, dear God. It's really a subject of enlightenment. It's a subject of, um, Lord, a source for joy, a source for hope. And Lord, we need it at this time because there are many people struggling right now. Lord, the world system is putting people out of work. They're masking it with lots of things, Lord, but it's going to increase and increase and increase because you've said, dear Lord, at this time, you're going to cause it that no man will work, and that's soon going to come. So right now, the only people really working well and having lots of work is those working for the the evil part of the world system. But even then, they've got much of this finished and got ready for what they're going to do. So they're putting people off. But Lord, they're also doing many things to interrupt and cause people not to you know, have knowledge and so on. But anyway, Lord, it's frustrating for people is what I'm trying to say, and there's a lot of people down. And Lord, also, those who get the knowledge of the words are looked at as kind of like a outsider, and, and people are afraid of them. You know, when you're different, sooner or later, they don't like you. When you're set apart from the world by his words, as we're supposed to do in John seventeen seventeen. We are not liked. You're different. People don't like different. They want to go with what they've learned from their parents and from schools and from colleges, which is, should tell them that they're learning deception because the world, as pure in the Bible, tells us we're going to come to a judgment because we've gotten so bad there has to be correction. And so we should be looking at that and saying, hey, we're participating in this and allowing this, and it's coming to a, a judgment. But people don't look that way. And Lord, what they do look at is that if you have the words of God and you start teaching them to people and they hadn't heard this in the churches or the people, they're going to say, oh, no, 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 don't teach that to me. They fail to look at the fact that you tell them at the time of the end, the knowledge of the words will be opened and knowledge will increase. They fail to look at you, what you said in, through Paul in Hebrews 10, 26 to 27, that at the time of the end, you're going to cause the knowledge of truth to be received, means they didn't have it before. They think they do, but they didn't have it. And also, people look at Daniel 12.4 and they say, oh, knowledge has increased for the last hundred years. We have trains and so forth. No, we've gotten dumber. You know, we are more deceived because we see things like this and we think it's great and technology is so blooming. And yet, they can't control a single particle. They can't just speak and healing be done. No, we're getting farther away from the true knowledge of power. As a power is found in the Bible, it says, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, in your words. The power of the, <clears throat> in the, in the words of God, or in the words of the king, the power is found. And Jesus is the only king. That's what Daniel 9, 24, the 70th week is all about. And you don't hear that being preached. They're not talking about us bringing you forth as king on the earth and bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I think all that's millennial stuff. But Lord, it's very clear in Daniel seven verses nine to fourteen that you're going to overcome this fifth beast kingdom and then you're going to take away dominion from the sixth and seventh beast kingdoms the other beasts as you say in daniel seven twelve, for a time and a season at time seven years that's the 70th week of daniel and nobody's looking at that they think oh well in the middle of that he's going to make a peace treaty with the world and so on no 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 i've explained that very well 
But I'm trying to say, take heart. Because there's a message in Isaiah 66 that I'd like to talk about tonight. And I'd like to set that up by really looking at the book of Isaiah quickly. Because the book of Isaiah is a microcosm of the entire Bible. And of course, the Bible ends with the great holy city, Jerusalem, coming and so forth. In other words, it ends with deliverance from evil. And that's what the book of Isaiah does. And it's really an interesting book because it's 66 chapters, of course, and there's 66 books in the Bible. And it's split up like the Bible. There's 39 chapters of the Old Testament, 27 of the New. And in Isaiah, it's very interesting. The first 39 chapters of the Bible, of the book of uh, Isaiah, is about all of our sins and everything else. And then as you get to chapter 40, all of a sudden something shifts. It starts to point towards the the deliverance that'll come. Yeah, there's judgment that'll come in there. But at the end result, from chapter 40 of Isaiah to chapter 66, you get the result that you, of the of the Lord establishing the kingdom. And it starts, on, you see in Matthew, I mean, in uh, Isaiah 40 and 3, and in Matthew 3 and 3, you see the testimony of John the Baptist, which it's talked about there, like one crying in the wilderness. In other words, the answer is going to come like that. And even in this day, since God doesn't change his ways, if you go to Revelation 12, you see something very interesting because it's telling us to come out of the city of the world and come to the wilderness where the wisdom of God can be found. So again, it's like one crying in the wilderness at this day. And what was crying out? It was John the Baptist didn't know what he was doing, but he was doing the work of doing the ways of the words, washing people with the water of the word. And they had no idea what that was. And remember when the rabbi, Zacharias, came to Jesus, he, he had no idea. And Jesus said he had to be born again, washed in the water and born again. And he didn't know this. They they don't understand the words of God. They don't understand the ways of the words of God. So I'm going to talk about the Isaiah 66 that way. But understand the greatness of how this is really being testified to in the world and, and that this time has come, that the judgment's reached its full, which is is basically what it's saying in chapter 39. I mean, if you go Isaiah 1 to 39, it's building up, building up, building up. So the, the ways of the people are so bad that that correction must come, which is what Isaiah 40 begins to look at. It begins to point to that correction that's coming. So it's it's very interesting. It's like a, a microcosm of the whole Bible in that book. And it's, you know, the Bible, 66 books and 66 chapters. And we're going to look at chapter 66 uh, tonight, just a little bit of it, uh, just to give you an idea and some hope, because it really talks about like in verse 66, 5, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. And I've talked a lot about how it was a failure at the Mount Sinai because the people trembled, but they didn't want to hear the word of God. That should be the greatest thing we'd want to hear because he made all things by his word. He is the word. He speaks the word. He's the only one that gives us the authority to get to the word because he paid his price of the blood for us so that we could enter the temple and increase to the knowledge of truth, which is the desire of God. And the will of Jesus was always to do the will of his Father. He wants all of us to come to the knowledge of truth, which is what he's talking about in John 17, 17. He says he requires us 
to be set apart, sanctified from the world by truth, which is the word of God. But we don't understand what those words are. There were set apart words that enable those promises of God that were given from before the foundations of the world. He prepared them. And Jesus showed us many of these good works. He's allowed us through miracles and so forth to see the glimpse of them. But we're not asking for the, the foundation of them. How do we get this so it's always repetitive like in Jesus' time? It was every time he did it, it, they were healed. This is what's coming. This is the inheritance. This is what the confirmation confirmation of the covenant that he's coming to make with us. That's what Daniel 9.27 is all about. He's going to confirm a covenant with many. And in the midst of it, he's going to take away the sacrifice because if they make the covenant, they will do the way of the words and do many sacrifices of good works for others to the glory of God during that time. Not in the temple, but from the heart and doing the ways of these words. But there's some wonderful things about it you have to understand. Like in Isaiah 65, he tells you it's going to get to the point where you'll be so refined that as you think it, it's going to be done for you. Remember what he says in Isaiah, I mean, excuse me, John fifteen seven. He says in there that there's, you know, if we follow him and we abide in his words, if we abide in him, in other words, do the way he instructed, listen to what he's saying and do those things and do the way of those words, you know, abide in his words. In other words, you're abiding in the Lord and then he's allowing you to have the spirit to make known the knowledge of his words so you can call him. And like he said, we can do greater works than he did. And if we do that, what is he saying? He's saying what we desire will be done for us. That's John 15, 7. See, the Bible's got many wonderful mysteries. And one of them is the fact that like if you take the first four books of, I mean, even the first five, because you take the first five books of the New Testament, for example, which is like the books added to get us to the point of the glorification of the Lord, because it tells you right there in Matthew twenty-one forty-three to 44 that the, the, the Jews rejected the word. They lose the kingdom. And it's going to come back to them from the, the Gentiles like a river, is what he's saying in Isaiah 66. They're going to receive it like a river. What is river? A river is flowing forth the, the water that feeds them, that that allows them to get thirsty and drink it. And the, you know, the tribe of, of the remnant of Israel that will come out are going to become great. But they're going to get a lot of that help from their brothers, the Gentiles, who receive the words and bring it back to them, which is what the work of the Gentiles is. Paul says that it, the kingdom been Taken away, the kingdom comes in his words, by the way. He tells you that the kingdom is inside you, and it comes in the words. It's the inheritance of the words that enable all the good works of the kingdom because the kingdom is built upon his words. He made all things by his words. That's the kingdom of God. So he's telling us that it's going to come back to us. I mean, it's going to come to them because he tells us through Paul in Acts twenty-eight twenty-eight that the Gentiles will receive it. And what's the Gentiles going to do? They're going to, they know that God's word cannot be broken. And he said that he would set apart a remnant and he would raise them up. So the Gentiles will be part of that action, a part of that work of helping up raise up the, the house of Israel again by the knowledge of truth, the words of God that they've rejected all this time. It's going to come back to them. They're finally going to see it. And they're going to get it. But the Gentiles got to get it first and do the work that God has given them to do because Paul says they will receive it and they have not. 
In fact, when the words were opened in, in 2003, and by 2006, the preachers were saying, this is abomination straight from the pits of hell and don't have anything to do with it. Reject it. It's nonsense. Which is what the Lord says in Isaiah 65 and 6. He says, he's going to make those people who re- rejected his words, Isaiah 66, 5 and 6, that they're going to be ashamed. God promises throughout the Bible, he's going to cause them to be ashamed because they rejected the words of God. Because they would not hear the knowledge and would not seek it out, would not turn to the Lord and seek him for it. Because if he says, if you knock, it shall be answered. But if you don't even believe it, he's not going to give it to you because you're still of the world. And if you're of the world, you cannot receive what is holy and you will not receive the spirit of truth in you that makes the words known to you. John fourteen fifteen to 17. Some people didn't want to know that. But I want to give hope tonight to those who believe in the promises of God and, and the words, those who tremble at his word. And I mean tremble at his word. You know, understand that this is the judgment day of all of us. Every one of us are being judged. And when we walk arrogantly before the Lord and do what we know is not right, we're in dangerous situation of being cast out as well. God is judging all of us, and we have to really be careful at this time what we say and do. I'll leave that alone. But you know we cannot do what's not of God. I don't care what the situation is. So, because he says in this time we must walk in the way of righteousness. And nobody wants to believe that. Many people don't want to believe that. They don't want to know what the way is. Okay. If we go, you know, um, if we go back, just consider a second Isaiah 39. We're talking about the first 39 chapters is the uh, work of, you know, the judgment. Uh, in other words, so many sins are recorded in there of what the people do. And we're all of this. We still do those sins today. It's not like they stopped there. It's it's just a for, it's a pointing. Those 39 chapters are pointing to all the sins that we're going to be held accountable for at this time. And what happens in there is that 39 is an interesting number. It's a number that says we must hear the words and teach them. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. See, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says the Lord is one. And in Gematria, the, the, the numerical, because God always uses numbers as a testimony to what he's saying. And there he's saying there that the Lord is one in Daniel's, I mean, excuse me, in um, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And remember, it's 649. If you read that, it's telling you that every night he gives a law to the parents that they must teach the words in their house. And it will give them longer life. But we have to be holy, he said. Be holy for I am holy. And he says, the Lord is one. But see, those 39 chapters we should have learned by all of our sins. We should look out in the world today and see that the the gods and goddesses that are like the Statue of Liberty, the Statue of Jupiter on a Capitol building, the Statue of a thing called Freedom that's on top, which none of those gods, statues, idols, were not allowed to make engraven images to gods. That's what they represent. We're saying that, oh, that represents freedom. It's going to get us freedom. No, that's going to get us slavery, which is what's happened to us. And Jupiter is going to cause us to be warmongers, which is what happened to us. We've become those things. You know, it's very interesting. 
I've shown the, the 39. I talked about this recently with the Lady Gaga and the 39, uh, the number 39. And also you see them raised, you know, they take their fingers and they make it like an eye and they put the three fingers up. That's symbolizing 93 or 39, both of them. And, you know, it, it's mocking God. It's mocking the Holy Spirit. And Pepsi's putting this on their bottles at this time of the life water. How ridiculous. Satan cannot give you life and it worships Satan. It mocks the Lord and it mocks the Holy Spirit by doing that. Because 39 to them is their basis of, of taking over. It, it symbolizes all the sins of the world. And yet God gives us the answer in 39. Remember, Jesus paid the price of the 39 lashes. You know, they, they reduced it from 40 because if they go to 40, they could cause damage. And I've told that story in another one. I'm going to go into it now. But 39 is an interesting one. It, it's a meaning is, you know, the words like that are thy brother, the dew of the morning. He's coming like the dawn of the dew of the morning, the, dawn, the deer of the dawn, which takes of the dew of the morning, which God always gives his message in the morning. He's saying that all these sins of the world are because we would not hear his words. John twelve forty eight says the judgment, which the first 39 chapters are signifying all the sins that we've got. And we know that we have to come to, to correction or, or to judgment on it because God is the owner and we've misused the ownership, the, the lease that he's given us to do things with. And so we see that, but he's also saying that it's all there. He gives us myrrh, myrrh is the number 39, and it myrrh is to guide our feet, to walk on our straight and narrow path, which he tells us in Psalms 119, 105, his words are the light, like a lamp to our to our feet, to our path. Okay, and also it's the number for redemption. Jesus paid the price of the blood, the 39 lashes. That blood, his whole back was opened up and bleeding. That blood would run down that cross and down into the the hole and down into on drop onto the mercy seat and was found in the last many years by Ron Wyatt and they all tried to deny it. And they tested that blood and saw that his blood was not like. I mean, Muhammad's blood was not like his. Jesus' blood had one chromosome of the father and 23 of the mother. Very interesting. You know, he says he's the left and tall. <laughs> and and we always have 23 of the father and we have 23 of the mother. And the left and tall adds up. It's letter one and letter 22 and they add up to 23. I, I don't know. It's just interesting how the numbers pop up. When I was a kid and played football, they, they gave me the number 23. <laughs> it just, it's always there somehow. I don't know pointing to us the way. God always gives us these little things to point us on the way. But also, it's a very interesting thing. Let me quickly say, 93, as we've pointed out many times, the number 93 is a critical one because that's the power of my Lord. Numbers 14, 17, I've explained that whole chapter about a week or two ago. And remember, the power of our Lord comes from his words. Ecclesiastes 8, 4. But it's also the number of love and will. Like 13 is the number for love and unity. A singular. But love and will is like for a people. 
love and will is how you interact with others, but we use it wrong. And that 93 is used by the system as the law of Satan. They act like they love, but they do their own will. And what they're basically saying, it's okay. We'll love you even if you do your own will. We should have our own will, our own right. This is exactly the attitude of the people at the Tower of Babel who got punished. Exactly the attitude of what's going to happen now. You know, it's it's like the world system. I told you about the Knights of the Order of the Garter. I've I've told you many stories about that, but one of the interesting things is around the neck of the queen, she always wears this. Um, it, it's like a, the thing it puts on her uh, garment, and they use the I forget what they call it. It's the fish something. It's a it's it's a fish type color, and I can't remember it right now, but it's a blue color that's called by a fish thing, and I can't remember what it is right now. But that's the color that they named it, which is really mocking the words of God because the fish represent the words of God. That's in us. The 153 fish of John 21 says, in this way, I showed him a way. And he used 153 great fish. Well, they put 24 of these seals on on a collar, they call it that holds the garment on with the queen and to any of these order of the garters. There's 24 elders of it. And 24 is like the elders of God. So she puts herself above these and heads this. And they even use, if you look in, if you go into Windsor Chapel and you look at the coronets and crowns and stuff they have there that they make up to represent each of the people, the royal family of the queen uses the same design of the same um lion used by King Edward III when he started this pagan order back in 1348. And, you know, they they also, it's all a myth of St. George and the Dragon and so forth. But it's all a myth. But see how they use numbers? They mock, you know, they just, they continuously mock these numbers of God. You know, 24 is the number of the King of Glory, our Lord. But they're claiming the glory. They're to, they're one wearing these glamorous things and live in palaces, and they say they don't need God; that they're going to take care of the Antichrist themselves, because there's no need for him to come. They they're going to be the ones in charge. But no, God's going to destroy the fifth beast kingdom, and the sixth and seventh won't come until after his seven year reign, which is what he's telling you in Daniel seven nine to fourteen, and also in Revelation seventeen uh, nine to fourteen. But also, the the Lord has some really interesting numbers there because the number 24 is another number for Job and good. And Job was our example. He did good and the devil tested him. But when he came out of that test, he was extremely blessed. And if we jump over now to Isaiah 66, which is one of the 27 books of the New Testament, similar to that, what I'm trying to say, the last seven, 27 chapters build you up to this fantastic climax of the Lord's intervention in overcoming the world, just like the New Testament does. And the last book of Revelation testifies, just like Isaiah 66 is testifying, chapter 66 is testifying of the overcoming of the, all the problems and so forth, just like the the, the book of Revelation tells you how he's going to overcome it and everything. And it summarizes it. And he also opens the sealed judgments with his bow, which is the opening of the words of God. 
In other words, he's calling us to receive the arrows, which are the words of God, and do this. <clears throat> anyway, if we look at this, and, and the number 27, by the way, that that number is, it's it's called the hidden number of God. It's It's a marvelous number. I've explained it real well in the book that I did called the um, um, A Testimony of Numbers. And it's free to anybody on a down. You can scroll down the first page towards the bottom and you'll see the book and download it. It's got all the, a lot of numbers described in there, but also the, the drawings of the design of the creation from the scriptures and so on. But the number 27 is the hidden power of God. It's the hidden God, uh, the invisible God. I've shown that why that's true with the with the Trinity cubing function that's described in that book. But also, it's it's an interesting book because it says pure and clean. The number 27, the words pure and clean. Also, the number for riddle. And you know, he uses that quite well in the book of Proverbs, the first chapter of Proverbs. He talks about the riddles of the wise. But what he's talking about in Zephaniah three nine is he's going to cause us to to walk in one shoulder with a pure language when he comes to separate them. A pure language means we don't have it now; it's not pure. But he's going to cause us to receive the words, understand the words, and speak and do them. And he tells us also in Daniel twelve four that when the words are coming at this time, what's going to happen? The people are going to be purified, made white, and, and Refined in Ephesians five twenty five twenty seven, he's telling us we are going to be what cleansed by the water of the word, so we're spotless. So the number twenty seven that's representing the the hidden image of God is hidden in what? It's hidden in those words of God. So does it surprise us that when he says in Isaiah sixty six five, let me get to Isaiah sixty six here, uh, it's telling us here. Let's go to verse 5. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brethren, you know, your your people in your church, for example, who cast you out for my name's sake. In other words, his name, Revelation 19, 11 to 13, is the word, which we're trying to make known. But they cast us out of the church. They don't want us in their churches. In fact, they said, don't let him come in your churches, any of them. And they made that note. Don't let him come near. It's a danger. They wouldn't even meet and discuss the knowledge of the words. They had no honor before God, and they didn't feed the people and put the put the words of God in the storehouses of the people, the hearts. They didn't do it. So they've robbed God. They don't understand Malachi 3. But they're going to be holding account for it. That's what he's saying here. For my name's sake, his name is the word of God. It's the, it's the name they do not know, because you can summarize all of his names in his words, because he does all his works by his word. Psalm 33, 4, and tells you that in Colossians 1, so on. It says, let me read it again. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my namesake, said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But they shall be ashamed. You know, they wanted a sign. They want something like that. They mock God. They test God. It's got to be from a miracle, but he told you that you would not get Miracles, you would get the sign of the prophet Jonah, a messenger sent to tell you that the messenger of the covenant is coming and you better get yourself ready and be washed clean by the water of the word. But they're not listening. John the Baptist was telling them, get baptized. It's the same. 
in this day, you don't have to physically do that. You, that's a wonderful thing to do. But the most important thing you must do is you must receive the knowledge of truth. The desire of the Lord is that we be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He told us in Hebrews 10, 26, 27, we must receive the knowledge of truth at this time. If we don't receive that, if we do what these people have done, which is calling his words an abomination straight from the pits of hell, then what are we doing? We are we are going and 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 cursing against the blood, the great the spirit of grace of the blood of Christ. They claim that they believe in the blood, but they don't understand that when they reject the words, what are they doing? They're cursing that blood. Because Jesus used the price of that blood to purchase for us the right to enter into the, the Holy of Holies where we are able to receive the knowledge of the words directly from the Father. Proverbs 1, 23 says, if we will turn, uh, verses, we should say, Proverbs 1, verses 20 to 23. Wisdom's always calling out her words, but we're not listening. She's calling it everywhere. She's always making examples, and Father's always doing the work of trying to get us to hear the word of the Lord that he came to bear witness to, that he paid the price of his blood for, that causes us to be cleansed. John fifteen three says, you're cleansed by the words I spoke to you. Then he says, in there that if we will turn, he'll pour out his words, the spirit upon us and cause us to know his words. But the spirit can't enter those of the world. We have to believe his words and then he'll make it known line by line, precept upon precept. He will make it known to you. He will speak to you. He will make it known. He will confirm whether it's right or not. He will test it with your spirit. But now they're going to be ashamed because they didn't put anything in the storehouse. And as God said in Zechariah 10.3 at this time, when he's coming, he's ashamed of those shepherds and all his people are in the goat herds. They have not set themselves apart from the world as required by John 17.17 17 in order for them to be um, uh, saved, delivered from these evil ones. Go to Joel 2.12-20 and you'll see that they have to be sanctified by the words of God. They have to be sanctified before they can have the sacred assembly and be set apart from the world. He tells us in John seventeen seventeen, we are sanctified by what process? By receiving truth. And his truth is the word of God. He's saying God's truth, which is his words. Okay, that's why they're going to be made ashamed. And he said, uh, no sound of noise from the city is the voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. When you come against the words of God, you're coming against the kingdom of God. Therefore, you're an enemy of the kingdom of God, despite the fact you're doing those things. And if you have the words and you're going against the instruction of God, then what are you doing? You're also an enemy of God. He repays his enemies. In the time of judgment, we're all being judged by his words. Do we do them? Do we tremble at those words? Are we afraid of those words? Or are we doing like Satan saying, oh, use the words and do this? Well, you got to be very careful at this time. It says here, before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. That goes right back to the book of Revelation, doesn't it? Chapter 12, and at the end of Revelation chapter 12, he's telling you the whole story. The wisdom is here for the whole time of the day of the Lord, even though we'll be raptured up in the midst of the seven years, which is in the midst of the morning. 
seven-year reign of the Lord. Remember, there's 24 and a half years, a time of times and a half time. If a time is seven years, a time of times and a half time is 24 and a half years. And a time is seven years. Because you can see that by listening to what he says was an hour. And understanding that the six-piece kingdom, the seven-piece kingdom reigns at the same time. Six-piece kingdoms gives their dominion over to who? The Antichrist. They didn't reign for 42 months and then give it over. I used to think that too. That's what we were taught for ages. But it wasn't what the Bible says. Okay, it goes on here. It says, before she was in labor, she gave birth. And before a pain came, she delivered a male child. Now, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? But who is he talking about? He's talking about wisdom. If you read the book of Revelation 12, the chapter Revelation 12, you'll see that he's talking about the wisdom of God. She delivered her male child. Why the male child? The male child is the one responsible to make known the words. They teach the words. And he's coming as the son of righteousness at the morning light. Rising like the son of righteousness. He's going to rise at the morning light. Coming from the way of the east, which is the throne of God. It said, Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? And remember that the entire pyramid of the heavens is also called Mount Zion. And a capstone sits on top, right at the top of Mount Zion. It's the last heaven. There's four heavens. It's the part of the heaven of God. It's, you know, the heaven of God is not just the top of the pyramid, but it goes up and over top of it as well because the throne of God is above that and the clouds are above that. And he tells you here uh, that, uh, the, you know, in Daniel 7 and in Revelation 4, he's telling you that the, the judgment throne is set up where the four living creatures are, which in Ezekiel 1 tells you it's in a capstone just below. I mean, it's a, the last thing at the top of the a pyramid before you go over top of the pyramid. Ezekiel 1 says above the pyramid. That's where the throne of God is. But there is a judgment throne that's in the capstone. That's where the judgment throne is set up. He said, who has heard of such a thing? Okay, I'm sorry. Let's go on down here. Shall I bring to the time a birth and not cause delivery? Do you understand what he's saying here? He gave her the birth. He raised them up and he gave delivery. And he gave us what with that delivery? He gave us the words. Jesus opened the words. And now he's been waiting all this time for all these sins to be fulfilled that we've done and allowed to happen without receiving his words because they're too busy with the world, wanting the things of the world. But now the delivery of the kingdom is coming because the whole purpose of bringing the child was to bring the kingdom. And the kingdom is coming for the seven-year reign. And it'll be here for the millennium as well. But it's going to be lifted up with his saints at the rapture and then brought back with them. Because the kingdom of God will be in them. The temple is one thing. The kingdom of God is like in the whole city of Jerusalem at the end of the millennium. The kingdom of God. And the temple is the Lord. He'll be with us then. Okay. Rejoice with Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the foundation of peace that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom. Peace. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, 
All you who love her, all you who love peace, rejoice for joy, because joy is the way of the Lord. Rejoice for joy with her. If you do the way of the words, you're going to have a walk that's in joy, because he's going to bring that at this time, so that we can be refined in the the goodness of the words. He's going to separate us from those of the world. They will not be the distraction. He's going to circumcise our heart and cut out the darkness, so we won't think evil thoughts. All that is going to be with there. Anger is going to go away from us, because we're going to be fixed on this. He says, rejoice with her. And he says, all you who mourn for her, we should hunger for that right now. That you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. See, we're not talking about milk. We're talking about the abundance of her glory. Glory is doing the way of the words of God. That's refinement. That's the, the, what, what he's looking for, for sacrifice. You don't want the things of the world. You want the things of the kingdom. You want to bring forth the things of the glory, the kingdom for the glory of God so that his name will be praised and the people can see the evidence of it. <clears throat> for the Lord, for thus the Lord says, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. That's what he's talking about, Jerusalem. Peace to her like a river. He's going to cause it, the foundation of peace to really be there. And the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. See, he's gonna, it's from the Gentiles that were bringing the words back then. The words were opened in Texas. You think America is not responsible to bring the words back? And those who were in Texas and rejected to receive the message? Shame. Shame. Shame will be upon them. I pray it will, that they will turn and repent and open the doors to, to knowledge of truth to be taught. But it says right there, the glory of the Gentiles. The glory of the Gentiles is God's took the kingdom of God away from the, the Israelites in Matthew twenty one forty three to 44, and he sent it to the Gentiles, Acts twenty eight twenty eight. He said they will receive it, but it's at this time at the end when delivery comes, the words are open, and it's time to, to receive it and bring forth the good works and bring forth the kingdom of God. The glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides. Remember what he said? He said it's going to be like stall-fed calves. And he tells us that we will rest like Jesus did on, on you know, on a priest's house or something like that. He would, they would lay down, receive the word. Because when you're doing it in that position of a thing, what you're doing is you, you know that you're getting the instruction of the night sealed in you because he seals his word in the night. So what you hear is sealed in you. Interesting. Then you shall feed on her sides. Shall you be carried and be dandled on her knees. See, wisdom, it's going to be like a mother to you, and she's going to teach your words like you would hold a child on your knee. Like Jesus would take a child on his knee. Why was he doing that? When you take a child and put him on your knee and speak the knowledge of the truth of the words to them, what you're doing, that's the same thing that the spirit of wisdom is going to do during a time of refinement. And you're saying and asking, and when you do that, you should be blessing this child asking that they come to that time, that the Lord will guide them and protect and keep them until they reach this time. Say a blessing over them like Jesus did and took them on his knee and blessed them because he was pointing to this very scripture and this very time as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem, which means comforted in the words of peace protected and kept. It's a marvelous teaching. 
in 66, 14 to 24, the Lord begins to tell, you know, they, they have the ability to this. He's made the words known to them, but they will not pay attention. And they go away and they turn away. And what's going to happen to them? He tells them at the end there, they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. See, the fire is the spirit of the word coming upon them, the judgment of their words. When they say the fire is not quenched means the fire of them. The words that they did, they're going to be judged by those words. Those words are going to come against them. If they went around um, fighting and uh, taking advantage of people, cursing, and all these things are going to come against them because that's the way that their worm is going to be punished. It's kind of like that sin. It's going to be upon them. I don't know exactly how he's going to accomplish that, but it, they they should be an adherence to all flesh, he says, because they're going to have that plague that's talked about in Zechariah fourteen twelve. Do not wish this upon people. Pray for these people to be turned and come to knowledge of truth. Our job is to harvest the people. Our job is to do what it says, bring an end to sin. How do you bring an end to sin? It tells you in James 5, 19 and 20, if you can see that these people have wandered from the truth and you bring them to knowledge of truth, you cover a multitude of sins. And you'll return them to life. And you're doing this for your children. It says in Deuteronomy 18, or excuse me, 11, uh, no, yeah, 11, I think it's 11, um, 18 to 21, I'm sorry. There it tells you that they're going to have years added onto their lives. Well, I, I hope that what I've done here, and I, I don't know if I've helped you at all, but I, I pray that what you've seen is a little bit of understanding of what the book of Isaiah is pointing us to. But look at those promises, and you can get the feel that it's going to be completed. And I've told you some glorious things it says in it. Remember Isaiah 55, for example, verse 11 tells you about his word. It goes out from him, will never come back to him void. You have those promises. Don't you want those words? Don't you want that knowledge? Don't you want to be able to speak a word and the work that it's to do is going to be done for you and you're going to know it because you'll get what you desire by your faith, by hearing the word. If you really have the word in your heart, the, the words test you all the way down to the, to the heart and to the souls of men. I'd like to end with one final thing. If you look how fast the world's going to perdition right now, going to destruction, I've told you about what they're doing. You know, when Trump took office, one of the first things he did was he canceled the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Make a big thing he's doing this, but that's not what they were really doing. They're really bringing forth a new one, Trans-International Services Agreement, which is far worse than that when it's not related to the Pacific Partnership. And it's it gives the corporations power, the big corporations that are all owned by, at the end of the day, the Crown Trust. The merchants are servants of them, and they control the merchants. So what it said in Revelation 18 is very true. These people are deceiving us. And when you read, um, you know, like in Isaiah 66, um, you know, uh, the uh, verses like 18 to 21, let's say. Anyway, what, what you're seeing in there, or 18 to 19, I guess, what you're seeing in there is is that these people have done bad. You know, like they've gone to the ships of Tarshish 
and all these kind of things, the sins and so forth. They're going away from the Lord and doing their own will, establishing their own law instead of hearing the Lord, which tells them at this time they must come to the knowledge of light. And instead they're going away from his words. And the light's going to leave them and there's going to be darkness, they're going to get plagues and so on. But if you go to Revelation 18, it talks about the merchants. And here we have this TISA agreement replacing the, that's going to replace the TPP. And I, I tell you, all this is all, it's, it's, it's all rhetoric because they already signed the law of the sea treaty secretly that nobody knows, which puts all these things in place already. People just don't know it yet. So they're doing it publicly and saying they have this agreement, they're going to do this. But services really means corporations taking control. It, it means that they're taking the freedoms away from the people, internet freedom, all that, because corporations own everything, the big corporations, and the small guy, the small business, can be further totally destroyed. So they're not going to help the economy. They're going to destroy the economy by this agreement that they're bringing. People don't want to hear that. But I told you this is their plan, and Trump is just executing their plan brilliantly, deceitfully, and it's coming out. And I told you who they put around. When you have a guy that headed the Rothschild Bank for 25 years and working with them and was in charge of their bankruptcy side, which they used it deceitfully to distribute technology wherever they wanted it, as among other things that they do, and run these secret platforms out of the Rothschild Banks for the, you know, these 21 secret companies and so forth. All those things, you know, it's all connected. And, it, you know, and also, Trump has basically endorsed with China the fact that they, we should have a one world of currency. That's also been coming out lately. So what we see is that they're going fast to pull off what, was, what we've all dreaded, the one world order. They're putting it together and they're making it sound like they've got all these smoke screens with riots and, uh, you know, oh, Monica Trump is going to have her uh, products, you know, destroyed. All these kind of things are noises. It's all part what the Lord would say is going to happen. And Isaiah 66 is pointing to Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, the Lord says he's going to bring all these merchants to an end. At TISA, forget it, people. That's, God is going to destroy that. That whole concept and the secretly signed law, the sea treaty that gave the ownership of the seas to the queen, forget it. That queen is going to be destroyed. Their law is going to be broken. He's taken away that law. So God is coming to do these things, and he's told them, beware, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen, and that includes these merchants. So, But I just want you to be aware of this TISA agreement that they're going to put in. It's far worse than the TPP because, you know, then Trump is all together with this stuff. This is... People are being deceived out there. And, you know, they're trying to say, oh, this, the Pope, that they're having trouble in the Vatican and so forth. This has all been scheduled to create um, distrust among everybody and chaos. They want chaos. Their way is Masonic. And Masonic, Masons always start with chaos to build what they consider to be the light, which is always the elite having the power. And always the people get plundered. But they make it sound good in, in in between time, and so if you're ahead of, I mean, if you're involved with the Masons, like many of the, the singers and all that, how they get their connections, um, be careful. You're in great trouble because you're headed to petition with these people because at the top of their heap is the devil. Even when they have this thing with this order to garter, which they use, and I I got to stop because I'll get into that and go on a long time. But basically, the devil is behind it. The myth is that the knight slayed the dragon, but the dragon came back to life and empowered the, 
the knight to take over the world. You know, become a strong knight. And that's what they've done. This thing has been building a long time, just like the Lord said it would do in Ezekiel 38. I thank you for your time. And Lord, I pray that people can understand and have hope. Because dear Lord, you've promised these things are coming to truth. And Lord, that you're going to show. And these people have been ashamed and been cast out. And many people who took the words, Lord, they lost all their friends and family. Dear Lord, they ignored them. Some of them, their family left them, Lord, because of this message. And Lord, we pray that you will help them at this time and give them the strength to persevere because we're right here at the ending, dear Lord. And your kingdom is coming and people will turn and then the shame will be on the others, dear God. We don't want the shame on them. We wish they'd all turn and come to the knowledge of truth. And Lord, we'd love to be able to help people come to the truth. But Lord, we pray your spirit will move because Lord, without the spirit moving upon the people, the ground trembling, it will not happen. And Lord, without your word, we cannot overcome the world. And Lord, you said in Joel 2 that your word is going to be mighty that goes before your people. And Lord, we're asking to release that word that, dear Lord, the world can be overcome by truth. Because, Lord, the world today is a nation of lies, a world of lies, nations of lies. And Lord, we must turn from all this and end the lies. Because, Lord, you tell us in Daniel 9.24, that's required of us at this time so that your 70th week can begin. And Lord, we pray the people will wake up and hear this message. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.